Everybody, get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Are You Instant Reaction Review. This is the show where two movie critics jump in and just talk about the movie like normal people. Um, I am RUScreening.com's own Mark Eastman, and with me, as always, causing problems and I'm crashing around <laughs> crashing around I'm our an Irish hurricane today is co-host uh, extraordinaire Shane Leonard hello and this week we're going to be uh covering the incredible Burt Wonderstone and we are really <laughs> excited to jump into that um long-time listeners know exactly <laughs> everything they need to know at this moment right, right they now. Could, they could just say no what our their done is yeah um yeah, I, and I just want to say, um, you know, we are open to you calling in. The chat room is open. Last week we had a ton of people in the chat room. Yeah, very few people saying anything though. So yeah, well, <laughs> which I thought was weird. Shy. Usually we have a few people and they'll right. actually say something. Right. We had a ton of people last week in the chat room. If you're uh, if you're listening in, you know, jump in the chat room, send us a question. We will try to see what we can cover about it. If you happen to see the movie. Or even if you didn't see the movie and you just right. have a specific question that we're not getting to or something like that, or you can call in. Right. Um, I, you know, we don't have a lot of stuff going on, kind of background stuff right now. Which is uh, too bad. I do have to say again, uh, if you're if you're tuning in, head over to areyouscreaming.com and you will be able to find your way to enter to win every movie that we review this year. On the podcast, right? Not not on the website in general. Shane has some very important stuff going on over there. Phone's ringing. Uh, yeah. So head over to the website, and we have a contest kind of tied to the podcast where uh, you can win the Blu-ray of every movie that we review in 2013. Right. So you, you're going to want to head over and check that out, and it's it's not difficult. There's you know no money required or anything. It's a simple process to enter. It would be fun to sabotage that in small ways. Whenever you mention that, and just be like. You know, it's just a trick. Think, of, just think trick. of something like random and just give a quick review. Like Star Wars Seven, gonna be awesome. Five stars. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Um, by the way, we did get some emails. We were talking about this just before we went on. Um, and we love getting your emails, but you know, nothing that was really a question or I mean, it, it was great to get the emails, but they were just very general. And a couple of them were kind of uh, just, you know. I guess agreeing with our take on Oz, well, but, but not in like a real specific way where they wanted us to get back to something. But if you right. do have a question and you're not listening live, that's the way to do it. You know, send us an email yeah. at uh, Mark Eastman at ruscreening dot com. Yeah, um, and it's you know Mark with a C, but you can go to ruscreening. It's very easy to contact us. 
Um, but, it, you know, if you're not listening live, you want to ask us something about the show that you were just listening to or or an upcoming movie or whatever, yeah. send us a question that way. Yeah. We will get to it on the air. Um, and I guess that's it, really. When you get general questions, like not movie-specific, what are they? General questions? Yeah, like you said, we just got a few general like No, they weren't general, general questions. Emails. They were just like general emails. Oh, like, okay. Like the show. Oh, and that's cool. This, and, you know, like there were a couple of different ones that were in their own way just kind of saying that they agreed with our yeah. take on Oz and it wasn't that great for the reasons that we mentioned and stuff right. like that. But it wasn't like, you know, now talk about something else or, right. or anything that leads right. into something to talk about on the show. Yeah. So. So the incredible Burt Wonderstone. I know everybody listening caught that this weekend because the numbers are fantastic. It's not. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it's. Stuff. I think it's done like ten million or something like yeah. that. It's. It's weird because you know we were talking about this movie a couple of weeks ago. I yeah. think when uh, you know I just happened to mention what a crazy marketing campaign that. That you've like never yeah. seen before. I don't think I can right. remember a movie that I have seen that fits into this exact category of trying to market it because yeah. it's got big people in it. It's got, I mean, you know, my favorite person in this movie, even though it's hard to have a favorite person, no, in this it's going to be the same one as mine, is uh, Steve Buscemi. Nope, not the same as mine. <laughs> because <laughs> that was weird. I thought you were because totally going to say. I really like him <laughs> anyway. Mm hmm. And he plays such a goofy character in this movie. And the thing that I like about him in this movie is that all throughout the whole movie, you can just kind of see behind his eyes <laughs> that he's going, what the hell am I doing here? Right. Why, why am right. I in this movie? And I'm thinking there are like some dailies <laughs> from this movie. Right. Where, you know, he practically leaves or he's reading right. a book while he's doing the scene right. or, right. you know, something because he just has this feel about his character and the way he's doing it. And he's still good in the sense of the crazy thing <laughs> he has to do. He's he's right. doing pretty well. It's not like he's, you know, not trying or anything. Yeah, no, he's a professional. He's he's, he's doing a good job, but. You know, there are certain times when, especially when, like, they're in the hot box. <laughs> right. Where you can just see him going, am I really here? Right, right. <laughs> like, is this really happening to me? I don't know. I liked him. But, I wonder. But you've got big people. Yeah. You've got Jim Carrey, yeah. who ought to be, you know, as, a, a, as big as, as it could be. And and he is great. That You know, current events will throw out there. You know, the Kick-Ass 2 trailer just came out, and he's in that. And yeah. he's... Looks, he looks awesome. He looks hilarious he looks in awesome. that. Um, but he's in it, and, you know, I mean, it's just like they're big, big people. Mm -hmm. There clearly had to be a lot of money yeah. just to pay the people who are in it, right. even before you start well, filming the Well, it's Steve Carell, movie. it's Jim Carrey, it's Steve Buscemi, it's um, uh, the girl. <laughs> well, Olivia Munn, I, was, I wasn't stuck on her. I, you know, I know Olivia Munn's name. Uh, James Gandolfini, right? Um, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin was—he's awesome. He steals everything. He, he was. Great. I think it's awesome that no matter what movie James Gandolfini is in, or or what performance he's in, I don't care if it's on TV or not, he's in a bathrobe. 
Right. It's got to be pure silk. It's, it's like it is. Like, it, didn't we just contract see him, that at some didn't point? Didn't we just see him in like yeah. killing them softly? And he was right. just like in the in the hotel room, room all the time in his robe. robe. Like yeah. he just wants to be in a robe. He has a new part in his contract I think it's awesome. that says, "I might be robe. in a robe at some." Season. Yeah, like it's the toga so, cliche. So you've got all these big people, and you know, two weeks before this hit theaters. I practically had never heard of it. Me too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how we, is we, that yeah. your... And we're pretty aware of films on the radar, especially those that are coming up because we're doing the show. And right. The I, I mean, I mean, I obviously, I, I obviously knew the movie was coming and, yeah. you know, had heard about it and everything. Right. But it's one of those things where, you know, I get so flooded with things that mm-hmm. it's like, if I don't hear about it again, right. you know, it's totally off my radar or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden I caught like a trailer for it mm-hmm. and i'm like oh you know why am i not paying attention to that movie it must be coming out in a few months or right. you know whatever oh no it's in like two weeks or something <laughs> yeah and you know one of the only reasons that i heard about it is because uh you know just going through lists that i get sent of release dates of everything yeah and i'm like oh really that comes out that soon how can that be but right. i mean like watching tv or you're your normal, I didn't see any spots. you know, promos for it yeah. and everything. I didn't see anything yeah. for this movie until two weeks before it came out. Maybe not even like a complete two weeks, right. but somewhere in that area. And then all of a sudden it was like flooded. Yeah. It was like everywhere. But you had no real time to, I mean, amp up for it right. or, or anything like that. And it, that's the weirdest thing. That could happen to a normal. all this money to be in the movie. Right. That is a crazy anomaly. I right. thought that was bizarre. Yeah. I understand it now. <laughs> but but right. This is a movie like we're not even you know before we even get into the movie uh, you know I don't know. I guess we should give the quick rundown, you know, um Steve Carell is uh, Burt Wonderstone. We get actually a kind of a cool although very cliché yeah, story of him at the beginning, but they kind of do it well um, yeah, okay. after they get past the part where he's getting chased by bullies, which I thought was really kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But once we get past that, and then we sort of get into his life, and he's the little nerdy kid, and he's being picked on and everything, and then he gets the magic set for right. his birthday, right. and he pops in the VCR with Alan Arkin selling uh-huh. like the cheesiest, you know, from, uh, like, who didn't have this in, in like, the 80s or, right. or like, late 70s or something? Some just god-awful magic set, which <laughs> I'm sure still exist. Yeah, I bet they do. But, you know, I, I haven't, like, <laughs> I don't, you know, looked around. I don't go down that island. I, I don't go down it's that like, island Toys R Us anymore. It's, it's, a, it's, always it's like, a very specific place. But it's that it's that magic set that's almost like a joke, and it's like you know everything's right. plastic. They all have the same tricks, but you know for a little kid, right. whatever. But more important than the magic set is that he pops in the little VCR tape of right. Alan Arkin telling him about how you know if you're a magician, people will like you and everything. So then he ropes in 
the second nerdiest kid at school yeah, who yeah, has um, who has all his medicines and, right. and the whole That's thing, whatever. Scene. A little cliche still, but it's okay. It's working. It, it, right. It was, but it it, it was kind of good when, <laughs> when he says, this is like my testosterone pill. <laughs> yeah, and he says the doctors say I'm basically a woman. I'm really, really close to being a girl or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, that was kind of clevery-ish, whatever. Yeah. So then they they undertake this project to become magicians or blah, blah, blah. And then obviously, you know, this is – we didn't necessarily need him to be quite such a picked-on geek necessarily, except that, you know, when he grows up, he has to be like a jerk or whatever. But there were parts of that where it it was very regular childhood, and you could actually – you could actually see that, you yeah. know, and it didn't need to be that they were the biggest losers or whatever, right. but it, there was something, there was something actually real mm-hmm. happening, you know, when they're, they're in their room, they got their notebooks there, you know, that's something that people could actually, right. You know, relate to you know, or yeah, whatever. Right. Cause that's, that's how that goes. You know, yeah. you, you're in your room, Doing your, you know, whatever crazy imaginative thing. That's a perfect thing kid you moment might, too, because right. Anton's like, "We should start a journal with secret locks and levers and mechanisms." And he goes, "This is all I got." Right. Right. It's like a composition right. journal. He's like, like, "That's perfect." Uh, right. Okay, that'll work. Yeah. So anyway, then we like fast forward, you know, like, which I, is I, I don't know, some... which is a weird thing. Okay, just to jump in real quick, the movie says it's like when it starts, it has the uh, the zombie land like scroll of time, and it says like spring 1982. Right. Right. And then when he goes from being like a 10-year-old kid, because this is his 10th birthday, to being Burt Wonderstone, it's like 10 years later. Right. And he has, and there's no way and, that you're and supposed to believe Steve Carell is only 20 at this point. It's we, it's weird because we get it's like – very funny to me. We very quickly get these two jumps. Right. And and that is a little seemed, – yeah. seemed a little odd, except that we, you know, we want to have the little kid part or whatever. Right. But we make one jump that we only stay in for like a few minutes, yeah. really. We make one jump where they're grown up, they're doing big magic, staging, yeah. whatever, and basically they get the job at Bally's. Right. And uh, James Gandolfini it gives them the gig right. to have a big headline show. And then, you know, we don't really see much of that except that, you know, boom, it's another 10 years later. And now they've been doing this gig for 10 years. Right. And I don't even know if that first jump is exactly 10 years or they tell you what year it is. But yeah. it's like it, it's around it's there or something or whatever. But, but then we get to the point where we go forward 10 years, right, and uh, the another 10 years. Now they've been doing this show at Bally's and apparently – as you know, we're led to understand very quickly, which is odd, yeah. kind of. They've been doing exactly the same show for ten years, mm-hmm. and we see like three tricks. The last one we never actually see. Right. <laughs> we just kind of see the props of it, and the fact that it's how he—it's it, his excuse to pick a girl out of the audience, right, or whatever. But then we never actually see what happens with the actual trick. Yeah. Which I thought was weird and actually kind of cool in a yeah. way. But um, <laughs> hopefully there are more than these three <laughs> things that they do. Right. But they've been doing exactly the same show for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now it's like um, we're working on, you know, 10 years ago when they started doing this show, 
and these tricks were theoretically pretty cool. Right. And they're not horrible tricks now, I guess. Right. It's just that it's the same old thing. Yeah. And they have never done anything because apparently it's it's Bert Wonderstone's theory that we just do this. He has right. he has lost his interest in magic and everything is just mechanical right. and they just do the exact same thing and it's boring to him to do it and he's rich and right. whatever, right? Right. And uh apparently poor poor Anton is like suffering with this because he would rather you know, we don't really exactly get the gist of this until a little ways in, but he would rather do something else. Right. So he so but they're still doing okay. I mean, they're still filling up basically because, you know, it's like it's Vegas. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, you're you're at right. rallies, it's a right. thing. And you know, that's how that works mm -hmm. in Vegas pretty much. It's kind of like, you know, George Costanza. It's like, why am I going to the show because it's on. Right. I mean, right. because that's what's there Cause when you're and in that's Vegas, what you that's do. one of the things you do. Right. You know? And uh <clears throat> you know, the shows change around, but there are there are things in Vegas that are that are like that. Yeah. And not only that, you get so many people through Vegas that you can be. You can be static you know, every it's, day. It's and like you to everybody. You could yeah. go in, right, and no one's been there before. But anyway. So they're lost in this. So now like along comes Jim Carrey. Who, right. Who is this weird kind of amalgam of people that we're going to make fun of. Yeah, and, and it's like uh, you know, I don't know, like Chris Angel and uh, David Blaine and, da and David Blaine, those are the and two it's big like ones, right? But there are there are several other people, but those are like mm -hmm. the huge names, and it's the thing with like Chris Angel and how he does kind of like magic tricks that are designed to be as gross as possible, right. mixed with. You know, like David Blaine, who does these weird things like, you know, he stands in the block of ice mm -hmm. for like three days yeah. or whatever the heck that thing was. And it's like this kind of mashing of both of them together, basically with like no appreciation for either one of them right. at all. No. <laughs> and eventually we even get Alan Arkin to come back and mm -hmm. like make fun of them and everything like that. So, <clears throat> but... As as weird and gross and stupid as he is, he's like he basically has an internet show where he does this right street magic, and he's really popular. And you know he's like the wave of the future. He thinks of magic or whatever you know that story is. But he is like getting popular, and we as we move on a little bit in time, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. people aren't showing up to Burt Wonderstone anymore. Right. They start showing the emptier seats. <laughs> which which I thought was really cool when that was a scene that I actually kind of liked because, you know, I'll spoil things now. I did not love this movie, right? <laughs> but one of the that scene I kinda liked when they walk out to do their show in exactly the same way, with exactly the same script, as they've done everything for 10 straight years, right? And they walk out, and the and the place is like three-quarters empty. Right. And they just like, you know, they yeah. stop, and they stare, and it kind of messes up their rhythm a little bit, because right. they're looking out there, and then they're like looking at each other, and they're, where is, where is everybody? Because, I yeah. mean, this thing has been, you know sold out or very nearly sold out for 10 straight years and that's all they know right and now they walk out and it, it kind of throws them and it that scene i thought was kind of well done yeah so so anyway it 
we eventually get to uh, it comes down to they're not selling enough tickets, so uh, they come up with this hot box idea that Anton comes up with, and it's funny because there's a scene where James Gandolfini draws him into the office and says, "Look, ticket sales are down," and you know Burt Wonderstone's theory is, "Well, too bad. I mean, right. I'm Burt Wonderstone. Right. This is what I do. Right. Everybody loves me." And Anton's going, no, let's do something different. And right. then he has this idea to do the hot box where they're going to be in this <laughs> like acrylic box with holes in it. And they're going to do basically like a David Blaine kind of thing. Yeah. And just instead of being encased in ice, the, it, box. The, the box will get really hot in the Las right. Vegas sun. And they're going and to. And it will. And, and, it, and it totally would. Yeah. Would. And, you know, it is a bit of a magic trick. Yeah. To be able to do that to some extent, or something like that, right? Something in those worlds, there is kind of a magic trickiness to it, but yeah. mostly it is kind of like Alan Arkin's reaction, right. like to when <laughs> we at one point get Alan Arkin watching uh, Jim Carrey get be the human pinata, right? Like he gets a thousand beat on, and he just gets and beat then, on. Yeah, it's it's totally crazy. Well, but, his reaction to that is. This is magic nowadays because right. he's trying to get him out of retirement to do a show with him. Right, and Alan and, Arkin and gets Alan just is fighting him all the way, it, right? and he goes and he finally knows what to do by bringing him to it, and he sees him getting beat up, and he's like, "This is magic nowadays." Right. Well, all right, let's let's well, bring then, this back. Right, like I've got to fix this. Right, if this is supposed to be the wave of the future right. of magic, then right. I will help prevent that <laughs> right. or, and have some role in doing something else. But so what's what's kind of funny about the hot box seed, which you know, it is and isn't a worthwhile scene. And it, to a great extent, it's because a lot of this movie revolves around uh, Burt Wonderstone overplaying everything. Right. And that hot box scene, I think, could have worked. And at one point, it would have been a decent scene. Mm -hmm. Except then we have to just keep going and going and going. And then I just thought, it, you know, it just like almost everything else in the movie, it just became silly and, right. and hard to watch. But <laughs> but their theory that Anton comes up with is that they're going to be in there for a week. Right. Like, it's one thing to be in this hot box thing. Right. And, uh, you know, Burt Wonderstone obviously doesn't know what he's in store for. He comes out. Right. I mean, he just doesn't pay. He's, like, clueless, right? right. I mean, he just shows up because he knows his marks and does right. the tricks. And Right. And and so, anyway, eventually, you know, they get fired. Then they get mad at each other. They go their separate ways. Right. Burt Wonderstone is, you know, like, doing retirement homes and right. doing displays at, like, a staple or something. Oh, yeah, big lots. Yeah. That's right. And he's like solid paper towels. <laughs> and he has, embarrassingly he has no money. And it turns out he goes from, you know, the it, it, it incredibly rich lifestyle that he doesn't actually, in some sense, have the money for. Because right. what he does is he spends absolutely all of his money yeah. every day. Right. And so when he gets fired, he has nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he he's really on the ropes, right? Yeah. And then it's just kind of this – well, he goes to this retirement home, and it turns out that Alan Arkin is there mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. That's where they need And then it's just kind of, you know, your standard, like, get back to the top kind of thing. Right. And, and they have the assistant who's their assistant for a while, 
once they lose their jobs, all of a sudden she's being uh, what's his name like Steve, Steve Gray, Gray. And, and she's being his assistant, right. and then that really upsets Burt Wonderstone. I don't know, and then and then everything else is is in your screenwriting one hundred and one right. for dummies or whatever. And and we you know pro- try and progress back to how do we have some stuff happen to him so that he's not an asshole anymore. Yeah. And and oh look now he's like finding the wonder of magic again right. or you know whatever nonsense, and that's pretty much I mean that's pretty much the summation of the movie, but like that scene um, that I was talking about the hot box that really is a good scene I think that jumps out at me especially for one of my main problems in the film. One of them is that it's just not funny. Another one, a big problem. Another, another one of my problems is that Jay Moore is in it and totally wasted because I love yeah, Jay Moore. Jay Moore is awesome, and he's just absolutely wasted in this movie. Why bother? He's wasted in every film. Like why? Why bother thing. showing up? Right. You know, I mean, he's so wasted. But the other thing that really kind of almost ticks me off about this movie is when I think back to The Office. Now, we got into this whole TV discussion, but I like The Office, and you don't like The Office. I, I, I'll clarify that, not because I'm afraid of outraging The Office fans. I just I, – I appreciate it. I just don't think it's the most amazing comedic thing that's on TV, and that's not because I love something else more. Right. I just I think it has funny moments, but I don't think it's strong all the time, like everyone else does. There's you just know, something about I, it I don't get. You know, I don't think it is either, and I think that it's a, you know, there's a certain comedic taste thing that, you know, not everyone has and not everyone needs to have, and yeah. it's not like, you know, what one person's funny is wrong and the other right. person's isn't or something like that. But <laughs> it is like we were talking about uh, how you – can't stand British comedy. Oh, and all I hate this. British comedy. And like I watched the original Office first, right? And I think the original Office is way better. Yeah. And but the American Office is kind of trying to hold on to the same, I guess, sort of comedic theory, where it's not funny in a like you laugh about it sort of way. Right. You know what I mean? It's just it. And and not every single second of the show is funny either. Right. And no no great comedy has to be funny for twenty four minutes either. But right. But but so what bugs me about it is I I do I did really like The Office and I thought like when I first started watching The Office I was like how is somebody going to be you know in that role right and you know he did a pretty good job of it when he left The Office the theory was that he didn't want to just keep doing the same thing forever. Even if, you know, that meant, well, I have to leave a really popular show and whatever, right? And in this movie, it's like he didn't even get the job. His character from The Office got the job. He's just playing exactly his his character from The Office. And that whole scene that revolves around the hot box Mm -hmm. is – exactly that guy. And it's like when he first shows up in his, in his, you know, magic costume. Right. 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 And everyone goes, 
are you insane? Right, you're gonna die. You know, that. <laughs> it's like velvet or whatever. Yeah, right. It's like you're gonna be so. So then it's like fine, and he goes back and he puts on like a suit, and he's got you know like four or five layers of clothes on, and his right. shades and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's much better. Thanks for yeah, showing up right. in that. And then they get in the box, and then at you know, it's this big box gets carried up on a crane, so they're, you know, way high up, and the sun will be able to always hit them, you know, whatever. And they're in there, and they're talking about how what they're going to do, and, like, Anton sits down and is doing these breathing exercises because he knows what's coming, whatever. And right. He's been doing it for weeks. Right. He's been preparing like, for this forever, and Burt Wonderstone says something, and, and he's like, well, you know, Anton says, you know, if you just showed up to the – to the practices or right. the, you know, whatever, the, stuff, yeah. the, where we were going over everything that's going to be required for this. And he's like, I don't show up for a right. rehearsal. He's like, I'm Bert Wonderstone. Right. right. And, and then he's in there and then they cut to him, you know, freaking out and going crazy. And obviously, you know, this is like the oldest gag in the book right. that, he, you know, then Anton says, it's been 20 minutes. You right. Know? And, right. And, and he's going berserk and losing it. And it's all, you know, the guy from the office, it's just, yeah. it's just exactly what he would do and exactly his kind of, you know, point of view of, you know, that's just a scene from the right. office. Exactly. I and know. That made me crazy. And that's not the only time. That's the whole that movie. Happens, right? I mean, it happens like that a lot. It's funny. Steve Carell is this guy and I haven't seen, I've seen more episodes of the office than I think I realized. But looking at Steve Carell's performance, it's funny that you bring it up like that because I can see him being like Michael. Like that's a very right. Michael thing to do and then all of a sudden panicking and they break the box and they're falling and all these right. crazy slapstick thing happens. When I looked at that scene, it, it, I had the same feeling. I basically was like, okay, this is both needed and not needed and it's funny and not funny. It's a lot of what the whole movie has going for it as far as a problem but I saw it basically like when I look at Steve Carell, I don't see him through the office like a lot of people can. And I'm not saying that's the only way you are. But when I looked at that very specific scene, the thing that reminded me um, the most was his character, Andy, and the 40-year-old virgin. Yeah. And what that scene to me seemed very much like was when but they, I, and they I feel it. like that's the same. Too, and this is the same know? thing, right? This is what I'm saying. Like, I look at these things like maybe some suits in Hollywood look at Steve Carell and go, he's really good at this. So let's take him out of an office and put him in a box or right. let's take him out of an office and let's put him in a Brazilian wax place right. because the scene in the 40 year old virgin when he's literally having his chest waxed and they, they did that live. Like that's not a special effect and his ad libbing, I'm sure Steve was ready, but when he famously is like, Oh, Kelly Clarkson and he's screaming at people, just the tone of that use of Steve Carell and the tone of how he's used in the big box made me think, and I'm not trying to be the English major that, you know, I've got the degree for and be like, oh, I'm reading into things. He's pigeonholed. He's in a box. Yeah. Like he literally, this is why I was like, this is a very important scene outside of this movie. This is where Steve Carell is. And this is where people keep putting him. And, it's, and, and this it's is the where reaction. he's always going to be. And the irony of this for me about this film goes beyond um, what we're talking about right here because it's interesting in some respects that also this carries over to Jim Carrey, who's also in this film, and who finally gets to be 
Well, I'll get to Jim Carrey in a second. But again, I thought that was really interesting that really what it was was a symbolism of Steve Carell, not his character in this movie or The right. Office or any other film. He's in this box, and he's fight. I mean, I'm not going to read too far into it. Like, he's fighting right, to get right. out of it, and he can't because it's at his peril, and when he falls, he's going to, you know. Right. But there is something there about how people see Steve Carell and what he's capable of performing-wise, and they just want to put him. The next time we see him in a film, whether it's Anchorman 2 or whatever it's going to be, there's going to be another scene just like this. Right. We're going to see him do this again. But, but and even, again. even beyond the scene, it's like this is the whole movie. It, yeah. It, it's what he does in the whole movie, and it's it's just like – if he was in the office, mm-hmm. right? If we were, if, if we took him back to the office, right? And he got some promotion to like corporate, right? Right. Where, um, for some reason, there was like this corporate discussion at at the paper company, and and they said, you know what, we can't fire him, but he, right. but we've just got to make the determination that he really can't run <laughs> run Anything, his yeah. place as well as we need it to be, but we. You know, they come up with some reason that they can't get rid of him, right? Mm-hmm. So they give him some promotion to corporate where he's got, like, some cool title but right. doesn't actually do anything or have any power or anything like that. But he just gets this really, like, big head about himself. Right. That would be exactly this movie. Yeah. I mean, it it would be like you wouldn't have to, you know, if he filmed them both at the same time, he would not have to do any work right. to switch character or anything. He would just have to remember what his name is right. yeah. and act right. exactly the same. But, you know, when you uh, bring up the the whole kind of metaphorness of, of his box, yeah, you know, that really kind of – is I guess connected to something I was thinking in a very weird way, especially once we got to about the halfway point and we kind of started rolling on with where are we going to go with Alan Arkin and how is he going to connect to bringing everything back or something and, and I guess kind of running into Jim Carrey, whatever. There's like this very weird kind of meta-ness to this movie Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, this movie is talking about a magician who, like, you know, never changes what he's doing and just throws out this tired, boring script. Right. And we even talk with Alan Arkin for a while because he just disappeared at one point. Right. He was the world's most famous magician. Right. And he even says, like, you know, it just all became rote and boring and I wasn't having any fun. And what I was doing was I was just putting out a show right. because, like, that's what my contract said or, you know, I had to eat and make <laughs> yeah. money. So I just ran through the motions and I was bored and I didn't care if I was any good. And then I'm, like, going, that's what this movie is. Yeah. Exactly. This whole movie is just throwing, like, crap out that – plugs into this, you know, script creator program that we have mm-hmm. where it it describes like all the steps and it says something that is like this has to happen so that they go their separate ways. Right. Okay, fine. Then we'll have this scene. And then, you know, and everything is everything that's supposed to be funny is supposed to be funny just because like you were saying, you know, we throw him in an awkward situation and just stare at him for a really right. long time, and that's supposed to be funny. He's in a weird way. It's almost like no one can be Robin Williams. But one of the things that Robin Williams was so powerful at was 
you just put him in a scene and you watch what he comes up with because right. you just you you better know the script because you're going to have to follow him because he's not following at all. He's going to ad lib everything. And you right. basically want to get in front of Robin Williams and put a microphone on him or a camera and just watch him. Like, right. go. You know, and that's the funny thing when people are like, okay, now you're on. And then he's supposed to dazzle you and, and make your appendix rupture because right. he's making you laugh so hard. And, and, if, you're, and if you're making a movie right, and you had Robin Williams instead of Steve Carell, right? Yeah. And, not, like, this may not be true at all, but it's the <laughs> sense that you get, like, kind of from this movie, right? Right. Is that... You know, if you have Steve Carroll and you put him in this scene and you go, well, just go. Right. Here's the general script idea. Just go. You get the same thing. You could film him for an hour right. and you'll you'll trim that down to like the exact same thing. It wouldn't matter. Right. If you did it with Robin Williams, you could film him for an hour. Right. And somewhere in there, if you trim that hour down to like, you're, you know, you say we need 15 minutes. But yeah. but go for as Do long as you, you can, got, right? and we'll figure something out. Right. You could trim that 15 minutes down into something hilarious. Right. And you could have – you could trim three different 15 minutes to go completely different ways with the right. scene, and they all would be hilarious. Right. And Steve Carroll looks like you know he's just punching a clock, yeah. and it's like this – the movie bizarrely is this whole meta statement about itself because he's a magician who's just punching his clock. Right, and right, not only that, right. but in between their little scenes, he goes out there and does his little patter that they do for the for the trick. <laughs> right. And he comes back off scene and he's obviously this crazy diva tyrant, person yeah. who's, you know, screaming at Anton all the time and right. and <laughs> telling Anton that he's holding him back and you know, every Every six tricks, they fire their assistant and get a new one or whatever because yeah. she didn't want to sleep with them anyway. Right. So let's try another one, right. and it doesn't matter who it is. And and you know he's he's ripping on uh, Anton for the way that they do this trick, and he's like, I have to have this sweatiness happening on right. me, and you can't go uh, any quicker. And he's like, I've been doing, I, I did it exactly the same way I did it the last five <laughs> you thousand right, times. That we did it. But There's, you know, there are other things about the film that try to rescue it. But really, the, one of the funny things, okay, so we saw this yesterday, and the movie's an hour and 40 minutes long, and we were joking. Hooray before, for that. We were joking about it before it started that, you know, wow, what are we doing? We don't see films that are less than two hours at this point. Man, I got to tell you, this movie felt like it was two hours and 20 minutes long. I it, know. It's a slow-moving, like, comedy fair thing that, again, is a very Steve Carell kind of, of, of film. Right. It's easy to just keep throwing the 40-year-old virgin out, but that was kind of, uh, that's kind of the flip side of this film in, in, a, in a lot of different ways. This movie, what it, what it tries to do is be very earnest, be, be very sincere, but it's handling material that you typically see, and I like these kind of comedies, so I'm not, I'm not taking a crap on them. You're basically dealing with an Adam Sandler movie. Right. You know, you've got the kid in the you beginning. Like Adam Sandler I like movie? Adam Sandler movies. Like, I, think, I think for like the most part. Like in the part, last, like, three yeah. to five years? Yeah, for the most part. <sighs> I, I have, we started talking about this Whatever. Uh, no, look, we started talking about this when we walked out when I was telling you about not liking British stuff too much. British British television stuff too much. Right. I still think they do the best literature and, and they're great films and on and on. They just don't understand TV. Uh -huh. This is a bigger argument because I don't want to make every Doctor Who fan out there start screaming at us. But 
But one of the things that's interesting is, you know, there's a very formulaic way of telling this type of story, and they do it right by the book. Right. You know, there's the little kid who's bullied and picked on, has a friend. Now, all of a sudden, flash forward, we see them older. They're still kind of geeky, nerdy things, but they're on their way to being transitional. Then they have a falling out. There's a mentor who comes in, saves them all. They get the girl. Right. I mean, you can say that about a lot of films, but really this type of comedy follows that type of route. Sure. And as it's going along, it tries very hard to keep its head above water, you know, but it really, it's just bogged down by a bunch of stuff. And it sucks because all the talent that's in this film should easily resuscitate it in very funny places. I was, you said your favorite character was Steve Buscemi, and I thought for sure you were going to say that it was Jim Carrey. Jim no. Carrey, the only person that can steal a scene he, from you know, Jim Carrey in this he movie. He was okay, but he suffered from the same problem, I think, he it, did, in that everything he did, they just kept doing it too long. Everything, right. And and one of the things that is interesting is all the stuff that you, know, you can say about Steve Carell in this type of role, he's done dramatic stuff and he's really good. Right. You know, he's more talented than people give him credit for at this point, but he's so he's, good at Evan he's Almighty. A, and, he's a lot more talented, I think, at this point if we would, you know, like you said, if he would just drop comedy for a few just years. Just do a few dramas, do yeah. a few just, you know, I don't think he can be the bad guy in a film, but it would be interesting to see him, you know. No, but if he was in like a drama that, you know, just like had a life. little bit of humor right. to it or something like that. Yeah, Dan in real life, splashing a little bit or until right. the end of the world, you know, that kind of right. stuff. But but it's interesting to see Jim Carrey in here because he he, he is basically at his best being Jim Carrey in this, which is just a maniac. Right. Just come in and do crazy stuff. Right. And the only person that can steal a scene in the film like Jim Carrey does, because I feel like he does in every scene he's in, is Alan Arkin. And I'm so bummed at the missed opportunity here. There's no scene really except when Jim Carrey is getting the crap kicked out of him by being the human pinata. Right. Or when they're or in that bar, they're in that bar scene, but then right. they, they don't do anything they don't do with anything. that either. He right. and Alan Arkin together, I was, I was waiting for, I was like, the only thing that's going to be able to save this film is like a magic it, it, warlock battle between it, Jim Carrey like really and cool Alan Arkin. Scene. Yeah. Because all Alan Arkin has to do, when we reintroduce ourselves to Alan Arkin, it's because Steve Carell is in the old folks' home, like you mentioned. And he's doing a trick, and Alan Arkin is one of these voices way off in the distance about to leave the room, and he's calling out the trick. Right, he's like, right. the coin's in your pocket, right, you know, right. the card's behind your ear. And, right. and he gets mad and goes out and goes, hey, what are you doing? And he then takes him to task. And he, and and like, he, and he doesn't he realize no who he no is. Soul. Right. He's got right. You no know, heart, no soul. You're doing your tricks sloppy. You don't care about the act, and it shows. Right. And he brings this... And everybody needs to have some guy in this film, but he brings this emotional gravity to the film in one moment when he reinvigorates Magic and Steve Carell by showing him the salt shaker. Right. And I won't ruin it because it's a fun scene, but when he does it, Steve Carell like pauses and he lights up. And Alan Arkin, an actor who's really good at this scene, knows when to hit it. But what he does is he shows he's the perfect kind of guy with the best experience because he waits one half beat too long. And it's the right decision. Then he goes, that moment, right there, what you're right, feeling, right, right now. Because you, you anticipate him to say something, and then you wait a second longer, and he knows like to let that moment linger. Right. This is the thing that's frustrating, because what you and I were talking about is the movie lets so many things linger too long to the detriment of the film. Right. And if you don't know how to do it, it looks awkward. It's not funny. It's just uncomfortable. When Alan Arkin does it one time, it's perfect. Like, it is A-plus perfect. 
and he shows you right. like and, when it's done. Well, this is this is and, a technique that when you do and it, and he right, waits how long you're how supposed to wait. Right. right. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait another a minute longer. longer. Right. Not a beat right. longer. Not a beat shorter. He knows exactly the right moment, and then he counts to like one, and then hits it. And and it's awesome. And, and like the things, the things where moment. Jim Carrey is in when he when when <laughs> we first awesome, when we first meet him, and you're exactly right that where Jim Carrey is actually really pretty good in this movie. Yeah. Is when he's doing the stuff he's doing, um, when he's in the scene where we first meet him, right. and he does this goofy the street trick, this goofy street trick where yeah. he like cuts himself and stuff. Right. And then like even when we see him, you know, later on when he kind of, when he there's one part where he shows up at the birthday party right. and does like some stuff, which is really good too. But but. Uh, but all of those things and it really stands out in that first one. It's like. At some point, you're just like going, I've been watching this longer than I should have yeah. been watching it. You right. know? Do what you're doing. Have your funny moment in it if you're going to or whatever. Right. And we have some time where, you know, Burt Wonderstone can react to him. Right. And he's obviously going to, you know, say that it's garbage or right. whatever. And and we see the we get what's going on. And then we need to move on. Right. And in this case, it's not even like, supposed to be funny. Right. It's just that we don't know when to stop showing things. Right. There are a lot of moments in the movie where this is supposed to be a funny scene. Mm-hmm. We're doing something that we're looking for some funniness here. And a lot of times what you get is it it looks like maybe that's not that funny. Well, right. Just keep filming it. Right. And then now right. now it will be funny. Like the <laughs> like the uh, like the scene where he does finally pick a woman out of the audience. And he brings her back to his hotel room, and she's right. gaga over how amazing it is because part of his contract is he gets the best suite in the hotel, right? And to the attached hotel, and he's talking earlier to Olivia Wilde, and it's funny I meant I messed up her name. I'm like Olivia Olivia Munn, I know her name. Right. Like the irony there is that Olivia Wilde, I'm flipping around, but he's talking to her earlier and tells her what size bed he has, and she's like never. So he picks this other girl out of the audience. They get back. And there's like a five, I mean, it sounds so weird to complain about a five or ten second scene being too long, but it's actually very long when he leaves after they have sex and she has to crawl across the bed to get to this envelope. Right. And she like takes her time. It's like she's going through broken glass and mud. Right. Like she's like (laughs) agonizingly crawling through this. And I'm like, this is funny to somebody else. But it's. But it's not funny to the audience. And we, you know, we didn't see it in a packed house either. I only heard you and I laugh a couple times. Right. I didn't hear anybody else right. laugh at all, which was, you know, maybe the, the way this is going. But. There were a couple times when uh, I actually laughed. You said cracking up hardcore at the birthday party. And I'm not sure that it was always when people were supposed to be laughing. I would, there were times <laughs> when I was laughing after something, and I was amused by it, but I just thought, like, I'm laughing because it's not funny. Right. Like, that was exactly. genuinely, like, the this, this sense there, but... It, that, you know, that's exactly what what I got like out I just, of it. I just several, kept laughing at several times. Like, oh God! I know. It, it's just weird that the movie comes together like a lot of movies obviously do with the you know middle scenes, right? Where somebody says, "This is funny." Yeah. Here's a thing that could happen. We're yeah. making a movie about magicians, right? So here's here's where this could go. And then somebody goes, oh, and here's another scene, and here's where this could go. But we never really got to where we had a story. Mm-hmm. We just sort of 
built a story like right. you know like you said there's just there's certain you have your your layout for a film script yeah. right and it just says plug something in here and here's the general arc that every movie will go through yeah but once we got to putting the script together we had these funny things and then it's like we didn't have enough stuff yeah. So we just made all the little points we had longer, right. and still we only got to hour and forty minutes, right? right? By yeah. stretching everything out. And that's you know what's funny about this. Think about this too. Um, and and I don't. I always like throwing this out to people because I always want to find out when we're going to a film. There's nothing at the end of this film to stay through. Like when the credits roll, the credits roll. Right. There's a fun app on my phone that tells me whether or not there's something there, but the app also tells me how long the credits are. The credits are like six minutes long, so even though we keep saying this is an hour and forty minute film, basically it's an hour and ninety uh, a ninety minute film, an hour and thirty minute film, right? Which is even all the worse because it's a shorter film that feels twice as long. But you know, there's there's stuff going on here, like you know, Steve Carell didn't have to be in this, and I'm not ripping on like Jack Black, but I could easily see Jack Black, Paul right. Rudd, you know, any of these guys being, you know, Bert. Bert Wonderstone. Right. It doesn't have to be his vehicle. Where other films, those are his, you right. know, his alone. And and for my take, though he's not fully deserving of this, he's kind of lumped in together with this Will Ferrell crowd of of up and coming guys who are around at that time, and the Anchorman crowd of and seen it, seen out. And, and here's opinion, the thing: when you say that, right? All right. Because if Will Ferrell had been in this, mm-hmm. this movie would have been hilarious. This is what I'm saying. There's a guy, there's only one person out there right now who can do the type of comedy that everyone wants to see when they see this type of film, and it's Will Ferrell. Right. I like Will Ferrell's movies for the most part. I don't like every one of them, but I, I'm, I've come to really appreciating his sense of humor and, and his delivery of stuff. Right. And when he does a film like this, it's it's a knockout. And that's not to say... That the talent that you've got here with, you know, Jim Carrey, Alan Arkin, you know, all these other guys, there's there's so much talent here. What that typically seems to me to be the problem is the director or the screenwriter. Right. And for me, I think it was just the story. I think the story just sucked on this one. Like, you know, because you've got enough talent at, who knows enough work to at do. At some point, I think the story sucked, but in a, I guess, a different way. I feel like, you know, if you had Will Ferrell and you had, you know, really pretty much the same story, yeah, th- which is one of the things that kind of bugged me um, as you're watching the movie and you go through the scene, this scene is like kind of cut together in a very... Did you mean like AC? Cause you... No, the movie. The, oh, okay. the whole, the whole okay. movie, just... the scenes in the, in the whole movie, it, the movie's like cut in like a very specific way. Yeah. That, you know, if you're watching the movie and you watch too many movies like we do and right. you see things that you shouldn't see probably, right. but the movie's cut in a in a really specific way where you watch a scene and we like fade out, cut to the next scene, and that scene starts, you can almost see like the title of the scene. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you, that's a good point. It, it, it just... Whatever, as any scene in the movie starts, it like telegraphs the whole thing to you where a scene starts and you can like see the script notes. Right. And and this is the plot point that's going to happen in this movie. Right. And then they do it. Just like, you know, exactly like uh, Bert Wonderstone, Bert and Anton's, Uh, you know, show that's coming on. It's like, you know exactly what's going to happen. Right. Because they're kind of just not trying anymore. 
And, and that comes through in this movie in a very weird way that really made me think if you had someone else mm-hmm. and probably like if you had Will Ferrell, right? Right. There is a really funny movie you could make out of this general idea. Right. You know, maybe not just plug Will Ferrell in and everything would be fine, although it'd probably be better. But if you just had this exact idea and you had the bankroll and yeah. and you just really kind of, you know, tried to do it and, right. and, and had that love of magic going yeah. on instead of just trying to knock something out, like – the thing that irritates me most about this movie is I start to suspect that they made it in like a week because <laughs> right. it was just like, right. boom, go, whatever. Okay, right. fine. That's done. Who cares? You right. know, I mean, it, it's so weird that what comes through in this movie is that this movie is being made like Burt Wonderstone doing his show. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's awkward in itself after a while to, right. to watch that happen. It is. But I think there could have been something really pretty funny here if you had the right people. And like you said, if like you were talking about uh, Jim Carrey and Alan Arkin, like have getting to have a sparring match or getting to have a, getting to have a good juicy scene with each other. Right. Yeah. If you would have had, if you would have had everything that you have in place and used it in better ways. Right. If Jay Moore was in the movie and it wasn't just, nonsense background filler. He right. he could have been anyone. He they could have yeah, picked somebody off the street right. and it, right. it and it could have been him. If we could have had we <sighs> yeah, could have yeah. had like uh and he has kind of not really a right hand man but like a friend gonna, yeah. who's who's another magician who works with cats and yeah. they're like kind of a pair, right? right? If you would have had like Burton Anton and those two kind of have some sort of scene where something happened, right? Really like cool. use them to do something. Right. And if you would have had more of Jim Carrey actually dealing with someone, because Jim Carrey performs in like a vacuum mostly in right. this in this movie. What when he's doing something, he's just over there doing it. Right. He's not interacting with other characters really. You know, he kinda he talks to Bert a couple of times, right. but not not really. No. You know, he's kinda like Haha. He's always I'm, I'm better than you. He's actually whatever, in he's right? actually yeah, he's al- almost always talking to a camera that isn't there. Right. For his for his internet show. Right. Like he's so he's almost always just that's saying, the like, mindset he has now because down. he's being like filmed, he's right? like, What are you doing to me? He's like, You're going down. <laughs> right. Like it's just like this hyperbole, you know. And, so, and, hyperbole. And, and it's like uh you know, I don't know, if you would have just actually used people well and, yeah. and not only even some scenes that uh, you know, like like when we have Anton and he's out in the jungle, because when they <laughs> right. when they split up, Anton decides that he's gonna be you know some kind of humanitarian. He's and gonna he give magic. To he the doesn't poor really kids. know what right. to do with it, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he wants to bring magic, and there he, we see him on TV where some guy's voiceover in this like sixty right. minutes spot right. or something, yeah. whatever it yeah. is. And he's like, you know, these kids don't have food or, food water. or fresh, green right. water or something. Yeah. And Anton is bringing them magic. Yeah, and right. So what's that, awesome when he says to him, he's like, did you bring them food or water? And he goes, no. Well, no, why would I, I do that? I brought magic. I brought, yeah, I'm a magician. <laughs> I'm a magician. <laughs> so what that, yeah, what that means is he wants to be humanitarian. So he started some 
they give it a, a name, name even, yeah, right? At some foundation. And he pulls up into the middle of the jungle in this <laughs> tiny village where everyone's starving in a little truck, and he's handing out magic sets that are just the same yeah. kind of... That's a moment, and I'm just to jump in, there's a funny moment in here that's just so throwaway when he's handing out magic sets and there's like a rabbit to go with it. And, and he the, kid the kid, drops, rabbit, the kid right. drops the trick and takes the rabbit, and all of a sudden, just before the, the frame shoots to the next scene, the kid, the like six-year-old, whips out this knife, and you know he's going to eat. Right. Like, he's got this dead rabbit. <laughs> he's, and I mean, he's that's got some funny. food. And see, that is like a, the perfect example, too, where, you know, what if you're thinking about making the movie? It's like, what if we have him do this? And, right. and it will be funny because he's not bringing them food and water. Right. And apparently doesn't right. even really care if they have food and water. Yeah. He just wants to bring <laughs> the magic. magic. <laughs> it's like there is oh, man. something funny there. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, famous people who want to be all humanitarian, right? but it's really all about them right? and yeah. not the humanitarianness, <laughs> yeah. right? It's about what do I want to do? What do I think? Yeah. And not like there's something you could have done with that to make it worthwhile right. instead of building up this whole thing and showing it too long just for one gag just of a kid one. pulling out the right. knife, right. which – that scene only needs to be half as long and you get the same laugh out yeah. of that part. Yeah. And you know, if we'd have done something more with him, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, well, we're, get, we're getting close on time. There's a funny moment that you, you made me think of this too. And that's the critics are pretty much bashing this. It's, it's getting around, oh, yeah. you know, average Metacritic, which we always bring up cause I like Metacritic, but it's bringing it around 44. As usual with films like this, the audience reviews are almost all universally, well, all up. Like, there's like nine five star ratings and like seven four star ratings, and hardly anything below that. So oh, the audience is up. really the audience is really digging this. The critics are really not. Uh, and what's interesting is this, who worked on this says <laughs> the cousin of the gaffer. You know, what this says is in a way it's almost like those Vegas shows. I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas. Yeah, but I, I've been and I've seen the shows. You oh, know, yeah. and because that's part of what you do. Like you said, you you're there, you do it. If you if you had to stay like a month in Vegas and you had to see a show four or five times, you'd be bored to death after the second one because they are exactly the same thing. Right. For people that don't necessarily get to go to Vegas and happen to go one time and see it, this is the most amazing thing they've ever seen, and they'll tell their kids about it. Right. This is kind of like how that movie. We're feels. getting some sort of public this reaction is, yeah, like this, that. Well, this is how the movie feels. Like if you see a lot of movies, like we do. This isn't that great. Like you've seen it before a bunch. Right. If, if you don't see it, if you've never seen a film, and I don't, I'm not, you know, if you don't see a lot of films, that's that's okay, you know, whatever. But if you don't see a lot of films and you happen to see this, it's probably going to be a fair amount of fun. I don't see how. I I, I think you're stretching it there. I'm going by the by the ratings. Uh, All right, what's your rating? Uh, you I love this more I, than I did. I feel like I. I'm being very generous giving this one star. <laughs> oh, I loved it more than you did. I was going to give it one and a half. I just thought that there, wow. are, there are moments. That's not really the it's not a lot, biggest but, difference. But it feels like an ocean of difference. You know? I was, if, if this show, and, you know, as we say all the time, the point is to try to be, yeah. to get as close to when we see the movie as right. we can. So that it's not like, you know, when you write your review and it's maybe a few days later or, you know, whatever, and you really try to, like, think about and analyze the movie and all right. that stuff, right? If if I would have rated this when I walked out of the theater, it would have been zero. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> – 
I still had yeah. to at least spend the night and stuff and yeah. then think about it. And then even actually like while we're here talking, talking, it, talking about it, yeah. I'm like, you know, Jim Carrey was pretty good a lot. And there right. were there like were some, certain there were parts that I did kind of like. Yeah. I'll, so I'll I, I moved it up. So I, I, I can appreciate that because sometimes that's the fun of doing the review, too. It's like thinking not like, am I going to change my review because of what your review is? No. But will I remember talking to you? Right. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And things get pointed out that you might not – you might have not thought about it at all. If you were right. doing the show by yourself. Right. You would have just skimmed over it. Right. Just because I looked because I was curious. We also had someone in the in the chat. Uh, Green Dog had made a comment about Will Ferrell having one bad movie, and nobody can have all the hits, and that's okay. No. But I did look real quick for clarity because I don't want to get lambasted with this and I'm going to finish my part of this up on the show. I did look at Adam Sandler's filmography. The last few years, not so good. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to give you that. What I'm thinking of, but no, I'm under the illusion. No, I I like a lot of his movies too. I'm under the illusion that because I see happy Gilmore and all these uh, big daddy and stuff on TNT every hour of every week, I keep thinking, Oh, those are the, those are the new ones. No, I just looked at the last seven. No, Okay, so I just wanted that on the record. Okay, so we've got one star and one, one and a half, half star, and I'm and, also feeling very generous. And with it, and just like uh, the public obviously is doing, yeah. right? Find something else to go to. Go yeah. see Oz, or yeah. and we didn't even love Oz, but uh, anyway. But we got to say Oz over this easily. But, but oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But there's not a lot of other choices. But well, you know, call. I remember we're running we're running out of time, right, and we need to go. So. Uh, we will uh, see you next next week, and I don't even I can't even say what we're gonna do. It'll be a know. surprise. But um, thanks so much for tuning in. Please share with your friends and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, bye. Thanks. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.